0: I want to read a very familiar passage of scripture in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. I'm reading the message version. And it says, God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led me around and among them a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones bleached by the sun. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Master God, only you know that. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God the master told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you come to life. I'll attach snooze to you, put meat on your bones, cover it with skin, and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. And I prophesied just as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, an oh, a rustling. The bones moved and came together bone to bone. I kept watching. Snooze formed, then muscles on the bones, then skin stretched over them, but they had no breath in them. Say, no breath. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath, God, the master says, come, From the four winds, come breathe, breathe on these slain bodies, breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded to me. The Lord, the breath entered them, and they came to life. They stood upon their feet, a huge army. Then God said to me, "Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There is nothing left." of us therefore prophesy tell them God the master says I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive oh my people then I'll take you straight to the land of Israel when I dig up graves and bring you out as my people you'll realize that I am God I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live then I'll lead you straight back into your land and you will realize that I am God I've said it and I'll do it God's decree. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the ability, God, to come in here and worship you, God. God, I pray that you touch me, God, that you anoint me, God. God, that you speak the words, God, through me, God. I pray, Lord, this message that you've given us, God, God, that you speak it, God, with only your words, God. God, move me out of the way, Lord. God, I pray that you open the hearts and minds of every single person in this place, God. God, I pray, Lord, that we leave here different, God, because we've been in your presence, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Crystal. I want to preach a message this morning called Breathe. You know, many of us grew up uh, hearing about this, the story from the Bible, and if we're not careful, it can be easy for us to, to forget the power and the significance of what the Word of God is trying to speak through us because we get so familiar with, with the passage and we forget the power to them. And you see, this was one of those visions that was revealed to Ezekiel with a really vivid vision. And I can almost see Ezekiel, he sat down in the middle of this huge valley of dry bones. And you have to remember in the Old Testament, if you touched any dead thing, you were deemed unclean. But Ezekiel see this valley full of dry bones. And they had been there a while because Scripture tells us that they were, in the message version, bleached by the sun. So they've been there a while. There were stacks on top of each other. No doubt they were all spread apart. But God puts Ezekiel right in the middle of the valley. First of all, Ezekiel could see all the bones, but he could also see the details of the bones. First of all, how significant is it that there were bones in the valley and God put Ezekiel right there? In the middle of it, you know, a valley often signifies a low point or a depression in life. You know, sometimes if we aren't careful when we're in the valley, we can dry up and become just like those bones. We can become dead. So we must understand who's these bones were. Who are these people? Why are they here? You know, bones don't just get there overnight. All of a sudden. But there's some significance to it. The word tells us that the bones was the whole house of Israel, not just part of it. And at this time Israel was in Babylonian captivity, so they were slaves. And this vision shows us shows us that they were dried up. They were being scorched by the sun and starting to become unrecognizable, if you will. Do you see a resemblance in the church world today? Let's put it like this. People that used to be alive, used to be on fire for God, you don't even see them anymore. You can probably call them CEOs, Christmas and Easter only, but they've become dead. But it's not just those people that have also become dead. You know, there could be some dead living right in among us here in this place today. You know, just going through the motions, coming to church checking it off their list, and then heading on back home and leaving the exact same way that they came. They seemed lifeless, unrecognizable, sun-bleached, most importantly, dead. God help us. Don't let the church resemble the valley of dry bones. So what happened to these people? How did they die? What could have caused them to be found in this condition? You see, when you go back in your research, it wasn't war, it wasn't famine, it wasn't no outside force, it was sin. You know, that's a churchy word that sometimes we use, but they didn't all of a sudden just die. But it was a slow fade. It was gradual. There's a song, an older song, that, that talks about how it's a slow fade. And much like the church today, they begin to get a little cool. They begin to invite things in their lives that didn't necessarily glorify God, but glorified their flesh. You know, they thought just one drink won't, won't hurt me, won't make me an alcoholic. Just one high won't, won't make me addicted. Just looking one time at that, at that thing on our phones that we shouldn't be looking at, that, that won't hurt us. You know, parents, maybe you think, A couple Sundays of travel ball a year, that that won't hurt nobody. Nothing that big. The next thing you wonder, where have I went wrong with my kids? You know, I see it on a totally different level. You know, maybe they're acting out, they're rebellious, they're defiant. But parents, have you taken the time to look in the mirror and self-reflect? That sounds harsh, but... No, you didn't make them choose the path that maybe they're going on. Maybe you didn't force them down this wrong path or or down this rebellious stage. But let me encourage you, parents, that your kids watch you. More than you know. Trust me, I hear it. Mom and dad did this. Mom and dad did this. They're watching you. And they see the decisions that you make. And they see your priorities. Where is our priorities at? They see that you've seen that church wasn't really a priority. We may say it is, but it really wasn't. So why would they make Jesus a priority in their life if they didn't see that example? Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing Nah, you know, it's not just sports. It's not just travel ball. It's not just extracurricular activities. Adults, we make the decisions too. We put up what's our priorities. You kind of look at it like that. Does, do you choose to work on Sundays? Do you choose to go out to the lake on Sundays? And you think, why, why is it so important to be in the house of God on Sundays? Don't neglect your meeting together. Because the day is drawing near You know one thing leads to another and, And this is the condition they found them in In the valley They were dead They were lifeless They were bones God help us in the church Not to compromise the gospel We can't water it down Sin is sin That's not popular But sin is sin And sin will take you farther Than you intended to go you know, no one starts out playing a little bit and sin, being like, well, I'll go, I'll go back when I'm ready. I'll go, I'll go back. I, I, I'm not going to go that far. But if you're not careful, it slowly starts to suck the life right out of you. Taking your breath away, and the next thing you know, you find yourself just like these bones, dead, unrecognizable, lifeless sun bleached and God asked Ezekiel son of man can these bones live and i think ezekiel was a little bit of a smart aleck like some of us he says he's like god why are you why are you asking me he replies o oh, sovereign lord meaning all knowing you alone know he's like lord don't ask me you know but, Lord, it doesn't seem possible, but you know if they can live. See, their own prayers seem to reflect no hope. Let's look at Ezekiel 37 11. It says, Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There is nothing left of us. Sounds like us today. We throw ourselves a pity party. Oh, uh, I've given up all hope. Forget it. You see, there is faith in Death Valley. Those who once knew God but whose souls have dried up are among the most helpless. They're cut off. Their life is a discouragement. They're among the most oppressed people that you have ever met, and that's because life wasn't meant to be lived without having the breath of God. But can these bones live again? That was the question. Maybe you're in that position in your life. Can you ever come back To life, We sing a song around here that says, the enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. You know, God told Ezekiel to prophesy to these dry bones, meaning to preach hope, to preach the good news. You know, everybody wants to preach to all those that will shout, that will amen you, that that will back you up and that are ready to go. But dry bones, they're about as dead as your 845 crowd. I said that earlier and they... They took offense to it, but really, God, dry bones? And then God tells them to prophesy to the bones for bread to come back into them. You see, it takes a certain amount of courage to speak life into a dead situation. What if nothing happens? We're human. That's what we ask ourselves. God, what if nothing happens? But what if it does? You know, prophesy is one of those churchy words that we use. And a lot of people, if you've not been in church or or you don't know, you're thinking, what What does that even mean? Oxford defines prophesy as a verb, to say that a specific thing will happen in the future. So Ezekiel does it. He prophesies, and there was a noise, a rattling sound. We sung about it this morning. And the bones began to come together piece. By piece, bone by bone, tendon and flesh appeared upon them and skin covered them. So I just imagine this massive valley of dry bones, all these bones, they begin to rattle and you can hear the sound and they come together and it looks like everything's coming straight to plan. Everything's going to happen just like it's supposed to. But here's the problem. They all had the appearance of full-fledged people, but something was wrong. They looked like a body. They were no longer just bones in a valley. They looked like a body, but there was no breath in them. There was no life. They had no signs of what we consider to look like as life. If someone is not breathing, we mark them as dead, right? You see, we have to be able to seek out the counterfeits in this life, though, those that look like the real thing have all the looks, but have no breath in them. You see, Ezekiel prophesies, come from the four wings, O breath, and breathe into the slain, that they may live. When I read over the passage this week, I began thinking about another, another story in the Bible that Jesus also spoke life into. That's the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus' best friend, and he said, Lazarus, Come forth. You know, that takes faith, going into a tomb and, and speaking to a dead man who's been dead for three days at this point, speaking life into him and expecting for him to come up and come alive. You know, the problem is a lot of times we don't have the faith, first of all, to even speak over our dead things, much less have the faith and the expectancy that it's going to happen. It's one thing to call it out, but it's another thing to expect that God's going to do it. But notice that every time the word life is used in this chapter, it's in connection with the word breathe. As I began studying this week, I studied about breathing. And when you inhale or when you breathe in, air enters your lungs. And all you medical people know this, but simple people like me don't, can't process it. And oxygen from that air moves to your blood. And at the same time, carbon dioxide, a waste gas, moves from your blood to your lungs and is exhaled or breathed out. This process is called gas exchange. That's essential to your life. The lungs are the centerpiece of our respiratory system. And your respiratory system also includes the trachea, your windpipe, the muscles of your chest wall and the diaphragm, blood vessels, and other tissues. But here's the important part. All these parts work together to make breathing and gas exchange possible. Your brain controls your breathing rate, how fast or slow you breathe, by sensing your body's need to get oxygen and also how to get rid of carbon dioxide. Get this, in one day, just one day, one 24-hour period, we take in 22,000 breaths. 22,000 breaths that we breathe. It's essential to life. Sometimes we can feel short of breath. Anybody ever been there? Maybe when that's happened, it's hard or uncomfortable for you to take in the oxygen that your body is needing. There's some conditions that can make you feel short of breath, such as asthma, heart disease, anxiety panic attacks, physically we find ourselves getting short of breath, but we can also spiritually become short of breath. Sometimes we need to step back and examine ourselves and see if maybe our heart needs to be checked. Maybe bitterness has taken root in your life. Maybe jealousy has taken root in your life. Maybe you've let anxiety take root in your life. You know, Abby shared last week, and she shared it earlier, something that Natalie Grant exhorted about, about how in a scientific study, raising your hands above your head for two minutes can help in a stressful situation. That's what science tells us. That tells me that we were made for this posture. We were made to surrender. And I also began researching, and I found that doctors also recommend that when you're having trouble Breathing, don't miss this, breathing to put yourself in the same exact posture. When you're out of breath, raise your hands above your head. And they found that when subjects, when they raise their their arms above their head, it increased the diaphragm, which is the muscle that sits below your lungs and is responsible for breathing. So when you feel like you're suffocating, maybe it's physical, maybe it's even spiritual, when you feel like life is getting too much and you can't breathe, you feel the shortness of breath coming on, raise your hands and worship. Let the breath of God begin to fill your lungs. Genesis 2 and 7 says, "Then the Lord formed man of the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being." See the correlation here between the dry bones and Adam in the very beginning. They were nothing until the breath of God was breathed into them, and that's when they became living beings. You see, the Hebrew name of God is Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. See, there is no way to say it. If you talk to anybody that, that speaks in the Hebrew language and you talk about translate and everything, there is no way to translate the word Hebrew or translate the word Yahweh except for breathing in and breathing out. So the only way to translate the word Yahweh is literally the two syllables. The first one's breathing in, the second one is breathing out. So when you breathe in and breathe out, we are speaking God's name. Think about that. He breathed us into the breath of life and we still retain That breath. You see, when the natural act of breathing is viewed in this life, the name of God is everywhere. What's crazy is atheists, without even knowing it, are saying the name of God. The lost, without even knowing it, are saying the name of God. A baby's first cry when they're born is calling out to God. The size of a sufferer, our wordless, appeals to the God who hears. And when we speak God's name, when we stop speaking his name, when we stop breathing, we die. The breath that Yahweh breathed into Adam's nostril gave him life and set the course for the whole human race to speak of God when respiring. When Jesus' breath of his disciples imparting peace, forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit all at once, he was, in effect, speaking God's name. Let's look at John 20, 21 through 23. Again, he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In our quietest moments, in the ease and constance of breathing, we are reminded of God's life in his presence. So go ahead and come to the music this morning. I'm reminded of a book that you may have read it before. We, We did a study on it a while back. Early in this church called Spirit of Python by Jensen Franklin. And this week I can't help but think about that book, and I begin to to kind of recap it over and over. And all I could think about was scripture telling us that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let's look at John 10 10, the first part. It says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know, a python, if you don't know it, kills different than any other snake. Snakes with venom kill with their venom. A python is not a venomous snake, but yet it's one of the most deadly snakes. It is unique in the fact that it begins to wrap itself around its prey, cuddling them and comforting them, if you will. And the grip of the python slowly become stronger and stronger and stronger till before you know it, it's too late, the grip's too tight, and they begin to suffocate their prey. They're often called the breath stealer. The python will steal the breath from its prey, and the end result of this is death. You know, we see this in our churches today. The enemy begins to wrap himself around us, comforting us with things of this world that sometimes look a little bit more enticing. And the enemy begins to wrap himself around us, comforting us and cuddling us. Causes us to shift our focus before we know it the grip is too tight the grip is too tight on our children it's too tight on you and we watch them leave the church we watch them go down the wrong path and it's because the enemy is squeezing the very breath out of them the very life that God gave us The enemy is looking to see how he can take it away. How he can squeeze it right out of us. While i was studying this week, the Lord put a heaviness on me. That there would be people sitting right here in this place. That the python has begun wrapping itself around you. You're living in the comfort that this world has to offer, but you're also trying to live in the church as well. You come into the church with a mask on, acting like everything is perfect. Social media portrays that everything is perfect in your life. But outside of the church and behind closed walls, the mask isn't on you get the raw thing the problem is when you put this mask on it makes you the same as the bones that were laying in the valley unrecognizable and lifeless because there's no breath you may ask how can I become free well the good part is the latter part of John 10 10 says I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly That tells me that the hold of the enemy, the the hold of the python squeezing around you doesn't have to be. Because the scripture tells us there is life. And we just talk that life is also the same thing as breath. Without breath, there is no life. See, the thief is coming to steal your breath because if he can steal your breath from you, if he can steal your praise from you, he can steal your life from you. He can kill and destroy you. But the good news is that Jesus says that I come have so that you may have life, so that we can have breath in our body, so that we can have the same Spirit of God, the same breath of God that rose Jesus Christ from the dead inside of you. God, I'm asking that you breathe life into your people. We've already said it this morning. Psalms 150 and 6 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That's not a suggestion. Sometimes we take it as a suggestion. Well, if I feel like it, I'll, I'll praise. If I'm on top of the mountain, then I'll praise. But the most rewarding praise that you can ever give is when you're in the valley suffocating. And you say, God, no matter what, I'll throw up my hands. I'll praise you over and over again because you are worthy. See, we forget sometimes the the authority that we have in our voice. Sometimes we begin to hunker down and we let the enemy come over us and say, you're not worthy enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, You're you're not this, you're not that. And We hunker down in fear and defeat, but God doesn't give us spirit of fear there's authority in your voice I want to ask if every single person will stand this morning this altar calls for for everyone first of all is there anybody with every head bowed and every eyes closed is there anybody in here that says you know what I've never accepted Jesus into my life And I want to change that today. I promise you it's the best step you'll ever take. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Anybody in this room, just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. All right, you can look at me. The second part of this altar that the Lord began to deal with me was that There are people who are spiritually suffocating in this place. The python is wrapping himself around you, squeezing the breath right out of you. And you feel hopeless, discouraged, beat down. And God's saying, let me breathe the breath of life right into you. Then there are those of you that want more of God. You want God to breathe the very breath through you and receive more. John 20, 22 says, Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, I want to encourage you. It's not weird. It's a privilege. It's a gift that is freely given. Maybe you need to be refilled. You've not been filled in a long time. This is for you today. Then I know Caitlin thinks I'm crazy because I, I was up at youth camp this week and I ordered something on Amazon. And she, she sees our Amazon list. I know she thinks I'm crazy, but it's okay. I ordered these on Amazon and I thought, Lord, I hope they get here in time. And I thought, how am I going to use them? Order these bones here. And the Lord began to reveal something to me. There are people in here who feel like this. Dried up. Unwanted. Feel like you're not a part. No sign of life. Dead you think, what? How can I fix this? And I saw what the Lord is trying to do. There's the bones. You see the valley of dry bones that we just talked about. Some of you are in there this morning. Some of you are tried up. And the Lord wants me to remind you that you don't have to be there. You too can have the breath of God breathe life through you. So if that's you this morning, let's put pride to the side. What I want to encourage you to do, and there's only so many up here, so it's first come, first serve, but don't miss out. If that's you this morning, you feel dried up, withered away, I want to encourage you. Come take one bone. And don't focus on the bone. But I want you to put yourself in the posture that we were made for. Lift your hands let the breath of life breathe into you. Don't miss out on it this morning. Don't let the person sitting next to you make you not step out because you're worried about what they're thinking or or what mom and dad may think or what people next to you may think. Your soul is dependent upon your actions. Let's become radical that we say, God, I'm tired of being in this place. God, I need the breath of God to come and breathe inside of me.